Oh, there we go. Good morning, everybody. Goeiemorgen. Are you well? You good? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I was, I am recovering from a bit of a flu, and I think it's just the weather's changed, eh? It's changing very quick. But the Lord is good. <laughs> the Lord is good. I wanted to do something quickly. Um, all the moms, and when I say mom, um, you, you, might, you might be here this morning and you might, thank you, you thank you love, <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> um, so I want to ask all the mothers to stand and, and, I, and I, mean, I mean all moms, whether you have a child and you maybe a single mom this morning or you're here with your husband, you're married, but can you just stand this morning, we're going to pray for you. We're just going to bless you. Oh, can we honor them? So, so I'm going to ask uh, everyone else who's sitting. I was about to say men, but it's not just men sitting. Just stretch your hands out. And we, we're just going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for moms. We thank you for mothers, Lord. We thank you, Father, that in them you have placed such a nurturing heart, a heart to care and love for others, to know how to nurture others. Lord, we want to pray that you bless them this morning, and not just this morning, Jesus, that you'd bless them every day, Father. I pray for wisdom, Father. I pray, Lord, that even as they speak, into their families as they speak, into their homes or their children, that you give them the words of grace. Father, we pray, Lord, where there is all the relationships that needs to be mended, I pray that you give them the grace to mend relationships. Thank you, Father, for mothers. And we pray over you a blessing and your family in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So... So, um, I, last week, did he, did you behave yourself? Did, did he behave himself? <laughs> um, we, we, were at, we had the privilege of going to Mitchell's plane. Now, I want to ask, Veronica, can you stand quickly? I'm just going to honor you. Wow, what a, I know, but the Lord uses people, you eh? collaborate with Jesus. <laughs> and Veronica has been doing a work in Mitchell's plane for many, many years, um, in fact, I, I, I must be honest, Veronica, I was, I was, very, I was so blessed <laughs> to be there last week and see how God has been using you in an area um, called the lost city, which I know we declared, it, we declared it last week, Sandy. I said to them, there's a word that came and said, we declare this to be the found city, and they, the place erupted. Um, the, the hard work, Veronica, I was thinking and praying for you this week, and I was thinking about the Apostle Paul and how he went into places where others would never go, and he would labor for the souls of those people, and that's what I saw last week, and I thank the Lord that you're in this church. You know, for a white woman from this side of the Puravos container, <laughs> and I mean it, eh? To go all the way there to display the love of Jesus. Christy Roberts, I know you stayed there for a couple of days. 
I looked at those people and I saw the love of Jesus that was displayed by these two ladies. And I'm sure you had some other friends with you. Eh? And, um, and they were free to be them and to love others. So we had a, we had a liquor tape. Yeah? yeah, did you see? I, I, Christy, I didn't bring the, the videos this week. I'm so sorry. We're going to have to do it next week. But I even jacked a little bit. Did he like you? Um, so Christy made sure she captured some of that. But, you know, um, for me, what was really the highlight was that it felt like you were there. And I don't know if you know what I mean. Like, it felt like Father's house was right there with this family, this spiritual family out in Mitchell's plan. And um, that, I know Bjorn and his, Bjorn was there. Where is Bjorn sitting? Stick it weg. Hey. <laughs> Bjorn was there. Um, Adrian and Viola, where are you guys? You guys were also there. We ended up praying for, so, sorry? Yeah, look and dance. I'm just worried. Like, we don't have enough space here. Um, but, you know, we prayed for a few people, quite a lot of people, and um, there was this one girl. And, in fact, we found out afterwards it was the first time she came to the service. And um, her mom was sitting next to her. Her mom brought her up and said, you know, she had a mental breakdown. And, and this little girl, I mean, I say little, she's easily about 13, if not 13 years old. And I looked at her, and, the, man, my heart just went, you know, Jesus loves this girl. And we started praying, and the Lord showed me a few things, and I turned to the pastor because, you know, I wasn't sure um, if we could actually bring, do some deliverance in the church. Um, you know, you have to be so careful. Not every, everybody teaches the same teachings. Um, but I turned to the pastor and said, is a deliverance? This, this girl needs to be delivered. Um, can we go ahead? Do you have a team that can do this? And he said, please, just go for it. And we prayed for her. She went down. And I, this is what I saw. I saw oppression of the addiction so heavily on her and such a young girl. And I got, I got this angry thing. You know, the, I think it's a holy anger, eh? It just came a righteous anger. This is like came up. See, this is wrong, man. And so, I, you know, you end up rebuking this thing, you know. Um, she eventually, I mean, I don't know if you saw that, Veronica. She could not stand in the presence of God in the beginning. She just wanted to get out. And by the end of the service, I, I, I truly believe this girl was completely freed. She was dancing with the others, praising the Lord. I, was, I mean, when I saw this, I thought, now nah, it was for freedom. We sang it this morning, that Christ has set you free. He came to set the captives free. The first thing Jesus said in the, in the, in the synagogue, he quoted from a passage of Isaiah, and he said, for the day of the Lord has come. I've been anointed right, to set the captives free. You've been anointed to set the captives free. And I tell you that the Lord would want you to walk in your freedom. You know, when we sing the song, freedom reigns in this place, it's not so much about um, a, a nice feeling of freedom, you know, because freedom can look nice. But it still doesn't mean you're free. You can jump up and down and you can scream as loud as you want and you can still be in the bondage. But true freedom 
is the ability of Christ in you to live through you so that you can bring freedom to others. And I tell you, uh, my, my whole world was shaken, and I probably need to get into the sermon <laughs> this morning. But uh, I looked at my children, and, uh, you know, I, I told my, my, my daughter, um, it could have been, easily it could have been her. Mothers, I want to speak about this this morning, not too long, but we're going to let the Lord just, just move. And, but mothers have such an important role to play. Fathers too, but we'll get to you on the 18th of June. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord, for holidays like this. Well, what is it not a holiday, I say. But we celebrate every day, right? We celebrate every day. But mothers, you have such an important role to play. How you teach your children in the ways of the Lord. And you know, it's, it's not... It's not the duty of shine next door to teach your children. In fact, all they need to do is emphasize, re-emphasize what you're already teaching them. Yeah. You know, um, and when you do that, when you walk with your children, you teach them, it's not only for them. It's for the generations that come after them. Their children will be impacted by you. So grandmothers have a huge responsibility and a beautiful role to play in bringing the freedom of Jesus into their lineage. And if you go further back, your great-grandparents, you know, and the great-great-great-grandparents, all God works from generation to generation. That one prayer that you may think is not that important with your child at night, or maybe it's during the day for you, I don't know could be the very thing that changes not just their lives, but the children that they have one day, their lives. And you can shift the whole generation. And so I'm saying this because when I saw this girl and her freedom, and I thought, man, one day she will have children, and she will remember what Jesus did for her. And then she will share that with her children, and her children one day will have children, and then they will share. And so a whole, a whole um, um, generation, generational curse has been broken in one encounter with Jesus. Isn't that just beautiful? And you, you, you walk in that. You walk in that. But today I want to talk about standing in it. <laughs> so, Lord, we thank you for your word. And, Father, I thank you for your strength. And I pray, Lord, that your word will go out and achieve what its purpose to achieve this morning, in Jesus' name. So I, I, I titled this morning's um, share with you, Doing All to Stand. And the Bible speaks about standing. Standing is such a, um, it's such a, pos- a position of, of uh, strength. You know, um, it's like when you're looking at a, boxing, a boxer, unless he's on his feet, he's defeated. As long as he's on his feet... I'm not a boxer, but as long as he's on his feet, he's still standing. I always enjoyed the movies like Rocky. Yeah, I know. It's years ago now. <laughs> but you know, there's this movie called The Champ. I don't know if you ever watched The Champ. And you know, that last scene, it's, I'm all ailed <laughs> That last scene, you, you just go on help her crying, and his son is there with him, and, he, ah, and he, he just stands through every knock that he gets, you know? And he, you may be hit 
down, but as long as you stand up and you continue to stand, you have, you, I believe, have victory. In 1967, Ju- July the 1st, uh, there was a war between Israel and Egypt. And this war lasted for three whole years. In fact, it only ended in 1970. And this war was called the War of Attrition. Why it was called the War of Attrition was because attrition meant it was defined as a tactic where you, you attack your enemy in a constant pressure in order for them to become weary that they eventually surrender. I think um, if you look at what's happening in Ukraine, Russia, it really is becoming a war of attrition, an ongoing constant pressure. And, and obviously the global community, international community, is trying to put the same constant pressure on Russia by sanctions. And so the whole aim of attrition is to weaken through pressure, constant pressure. In life, we face Seasons of constant pressure. I don't know if you, if, if you know what I mean. Where things just become pressure. Oh, I know that look, Paolo. <laughs> you know, you think you're just over the one thing and the next thing comes. And you, everywhere you look, you see pressure. And you know, it's amazing that the enemy, your enemy, my enemy, knows how to put constant pressure on you. Every day to be able to say, to push you. Push you until you grow weary. That's what the Bible says. Don't grow weary of doing good. Because your weariness will lead you to actually defeat. But we know that in Christ we have victory. And so I want to talk about this war of attrition. I believe that most, many of us, if not all of us, are constantly in. Um, and there are seasons where this pressure is less and, you know, and, and I believe what happens is when you face the pressure, Jesus is teaching us how to stand. COVID-19, three years, two years, two and a half, three years of constant pressure has tested the, the global church. Constant isolation, in and out. You know, we, we were so excited whenever we opened the church up and Shavay and I came here early and you know, and then we're like, oh, yeah, we've got to pack the chairs out. By the way, we cleaned the chairs this week. Thank you, Jules and the team. Yes. Um, okay, you may not know the significance of that. <laughs> it's okay. But well done, Jules. Um, and we, we'd pack the chairs out, and we're all excited, you know. And it's like, man, this is it. We're going to open up the church. And then in a couple of weeks' time, we were told we're going to close the church. You know, isolation again. Constant pressure. And I want to say, Father's house, I know of many churches that have closed. But you stood. And you're still standing. And I know the Lord has graced this church to stand. So when I never ever felt during COVID that we were alone, even though we were like alone, (laughs) you know, speaking to a camera for quite a while, we never felt we were on our own. We always felt we were together because you, you know what it means to stand. Standing alone and standing together are very two different things. 
You know, um, in isolation, it's hard to stand alone, eh? I don't know if you, if you were there where you were just trying really to, you know, who can I reach out to? Who can I stand with? Who can I link arms with? Some families are only coming back now into things, life. And it's not, it wasn't easy. But I want to remind you this morning that when we stand together in Jesus, you see, fellowship is part of standing. The early church knew this. Acts 2, it, it speaks about how they would meet with each other in each other's homes. I was sharing with the staff this week. You know, it wasn't a usual thing for them to meet in homes. These were Jews that would meet in a synagogue to listen and hear the word of God as it is today. And, and then they would discuss it and they would. But the early church had a very different culture. They would meet each other in each other's homes. The Bible says that they then would fellowship and eat together. There's something about eating with people in their homes. We were invited yesterday for a lekker poiki. <laughs> and I tell you, you, you get to know people when you eat with them. Am I right, eh? And so the early church, the Bible says they grew with the teaching of the apostles. What are the teachings of the apostles? The apostles were the ones that walked with Jesus. And their teaching was always to go because Jesus' last words to them was, I'm sending you out. You see, so they never had a, a thinking, an understanding of, we're just going to kumbaya together. And we're going to stay like this together. And we, yes, we're going to you know, stand through the test together. They had a thinking of, as we stand together, we go together. And so they were sent out. And they would continually send out. Um, Paul and Barnabas, the Bible says, set them apart to go to the Gentiles. And Paul was the guy that used to kill all the Christians. And the Lord changed Paul's whole paradigm from, becoming, from being an assassinator, hitman. <laughs> hey? And I, I thought about it and thought, man, this guy was rough, eh? He was like, you know, um, were the hit men now today in that movies, in this hero movies. Yeah? If you think about it, he had to strategize. He, and he was, he was so uh, tenacious. He was so determined to get them. that he, he would take his whole team and group with him and he'd go after them even to Damascus to go and kill them. And on his way to Damascus, the Lord shows up and he sees Jesus. And as a Jew, a Jewish man, well learned and trained in the, in the Torah, when Paul saw Jesus, he said, my Lord, my Lord, who are you? And that was the moment that Paul was changed forever. And Paul ends up then becoming um, a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And I always wondered about this. The first time Paul came back to the apostles, the very men, women that he wanted to kill. I'm very sure that they checked this guy out. You know, I can imagine the meeting they had. Did you hear this guy, Saul? He now calls himself Paul. And he wants to meet with us. He says, 
that Jesus met him. And these oakers are like, you know what? We're putting all the snipers on, this, on, the, on the roofs. And that guy comes. We, you, you think? <laughs> I'm sure they, they were not going to just receive him just because he says that he had an encounter. But the Bible says that, they, that he stayed with them for, I don't know how many years. Was it two or three years? And he got trained. And he, he was sitting in the same, the, the same way all other Christians learned in the early church, to sit in the homes, to then engage around the teachings of the apostles. Who was Jesus? What was he like? How did he live his life? And then one day they turned and they said, Paul and Barnabas, we are setting you apart to go. I believe this church is that kind of church. I don't believe the words that were written on that wall when I came were written in vain. There were prophetic words there all over that wall. And a lot of those words spoke about a people that is an apostolic resource. I remember that's that right word. Apostolic Resource Center. You know what an apostolic resource center is? It's a people that are willing to go. And going doesn't mean that we all go on a mission trip. You can, although we can. You know, Namibia is waiting. <laughs> did it. But going is wherever you go. Wherever you go, that you are able to stand for Jesus. Wherever you go, whatever you face, you are able to stand for him. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus said to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But he says, but take heart. In another, in another uh, translation he says, but don't worry. Be happy. Ooh, 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 ooh. Come on. Hey, bless me. <laughs> He says, take heart. In other words, cheer up. Cheer up. You'll have trouble, but cheer up. He says, why? For I have overcome the world. You see, the way to stand in this life is to stand with Jesus. And it sounds cliche, it's churchy. Um, so I want to try and help you in the next few minutes to understand what it means in a non-churchy way. What does it mean to stand with Jesus? What does it mean to walk and live the way Jesus lived? So how do you overcome? How do you have victory? When, when a war of attrition is upon you, when things are constantly pressured, when pressure is constantly on you, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your relationship, your marriage, whether it's in your workplace, your business, whatever you do in life. I believe mothers know how to do this. I don't know what it is. You know, the Bible says that God made us in his image, both male and female. It's like there's a part of me that I don't have that is sitting in her, that she's got, my wife at this, and she teaches me that part of God that I don't know. And there's a part of God in me that I teach, of, teach to her. And I, I truly believe mothers know how to do this. You know, how many people I've heard that have said that if it wasn't for their mom praying for them, 
they would, they would never have come to Jesus. And I listened to my wife and I, I heard the plea, the, the plea in her heart, the cry in her heart for our children. I think to myself, I feel so bad sometimes. I'm like, I'm not thinking like that all the time. <laughs> like, <you know? gasps> like, Lord, am I missing something? But my wife would say, Tim, it is important that we walk with these kids, that we teach these children, particularly, you know, these devices and stuff they're watching. What are they learning from that? And, and, and I, I feel convicted at times. I'm telling you. I don't know about you, Paolo, but it's, this, is, this is not what I wake up thinking, you know. Men don't wake up thinking, I hope our children are going to be okay now. You know? We have other things we think about, eh, Andrew? Yeah. How are we going to get that food on the table? <laughs> How are we going to pay these bills quickly? You know? How are we going to make some more money? You know? um, the Lord wired us differently. And he did that so that we can walk together, hand in hand, side by side. Not one over the other, one under the other, side by side. So when my wife says to me, you've got to help our children, and you know, you've got to, you've got to teach them, uh, listen, 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to read to you, 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 you will know this scripture, but I'm just going to read from verse 50 to 58. And then I've got, a, I've got one point this morning. Is that okay? <laughs> just one point, and I really believe that this is the point the Lord wants to drive home today. It says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you, it's a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flesh. In the twinkling of an eye at the, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, not sound, sound. The dead will be raised, and, uh, raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. And the mortal with immortality. And says, verse 54, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where your death is your victory. Where your death is your sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Verse 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, this passage of Scripture is quite popular at a funeral. Yeah. Am I right there? Eh? When you try and encourage the, 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 the family, the loved ones, you know, um, that death is not the final it's not the final destination. In fact, this week, so I'm going to give you a little bit my home. This week, um, my little boy decided that he's going to have a feast in our pantry without, without asking mommy or daddy. You know, he decided to have a little party. He finished almost a whole packet of marshmallows, samurai sauce, and um, I mean... We were wondering why this guy is so wired. <laughs> like, 
Um, and I don't know what else he took, and he just had a little party of his own. So obviously, you know, my wife turned to me and says, Tim, we've got to do something. You know, now we're discussing, and this is what parents do. We discuss, you know, what, do we, what is the consequence of the action? <laughs> you will notice, and I want to explain why. You'll notice I wouldn't say punishment, right? But the consequences of the action, you know. And so um, we, we were debating, and there, yeah, there was, you know, do, do we spank? You know, do we... Um, do we put a? We we basically have some rules in our home, where our kids they have um, TV time or you know device time over the weekends only, and give them boundaries. And then also us, the sweets are on a Friday. Okay, that that we've been doing since they were small, and so we decided the the biggest consequence we can give him to teach him. It's so important, eh? Because I saw the picture of that little girl that I prayed for last week. If we don't teach them how to take responsibility for the actions, now when they're small. So I said to my wife, let's, let's, let's take away the switch for a month. And the TV, we, we limited to even less than 20 minutes per weekend. Sorry? One hour for the weekend, 20 minute slots. Okay. So, I sit down with my children, and I'm thinking, I'm, Lord, you've got to have to give me wisdom. I called them all three together, and I said, who can tell me what temptation is? I'm doing a little uh, shine lesson there, Lynette, you know, and, um, and they were really good, so thank you. <laughs> you know, then, yeah, temptation is when you, you know, what did Aston say? When you attempted, uh, said, yeah, okay, that's the word, but what does it mean? You know, and then we discussed it. And then, then I said, then I said, who tempts you? And the um, devil tempts you. Said, yes, okay, good. I, I was worried. They're going to say, God tempts you, you know. Man, I've got to get back into theology now. You know? So we're doing a little Bible study on this before, and I give out the consequence. And I said, so... Um, when, when, you, when you're tempted and you act on it, what is that called? And I said, sin. I said, okay. And then I said, then what do you do once you've sinned? And they said, repent. You pray and you repent and you say, you're sorry. I said, great. I'm really proud of my kids, you know. And then the hand goes up. He says, so if we've repented, then why do we still get punished? And now, now I'm like, okay, Lord, <laughs> like, I've, got to, I've got to pull out some good theology now. <laughs> so I said, okay, here's the thing. You see, the wages of sin, the punishment of sin is what? And they quickly said, death, Lynette. And then Jude's eyes went so big. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, whoa, okay, wait. Let me explain that now to you, right? Death doesn't mean that I'm going to kill you now, okay? said, but absence with God, like not being with the Father, right? Separation, distance from God. I said, but, but that's punishment. But I'm not going to punish you. But every sin has a consequence. You see, and I, again, I was just seeing this girl from last week. I thought, if I don't help you now to understand, because that is the reality of sin, is that you, could, you are forgiven, no doubt. Jesus has forgiven you. But if you do sin, there's consequences. 
You cannot sleep with a girl and think that a baby might not come because you've asked forgiveness. <laughs> Am I right, mothers? Hey, I know that's, that you're praying for your children. Like, uh, you, that's, that baby's not going to disappear just because you said, don't forgive me. <laughs> yeah. There are consequences to sin. So I'm going a little bit, but I, I hope you're with me. And so I, I, I'm teaching this, and eventually, you know, I, I laid out the consequence. And I, tell, and I, I saw his look, and I could see there is, is remorse. Because you see, repentance cannot come without remorse. Because really what repentance is, I'm turning around. I'm, I'm, this is where I was going. I'm going this way. If I continue going that way, then I'm not truly repentant. And so I, I, I was so glad. And I said, okay, Jude, now we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I said, but you're going to pray. You're going to ask Jesus to forgive you. Because really the stealing is not so much about mommy and daddy. Although it is, but it's not that much as it is about Jesus. Because ultimately, I'm more worried about his salvation, his eternal life. I don't want my children to be absent from the Lord. I want to have them at the river one day. You know, I don't know why I see this river every time when I go to funerals, I just see a river. And I want to have my children with me. I know moms, many of you have been praying, you've been standing for your children over many years. And I want to encourage you this morning, this is really all I'm saying, is to keep standing, to keep praying, to keep walking with your children. You know, whether, whether they're small, whether they've grown men or women that have made decisions already in their lives, your prayer is never, ever in vain. You, you, have a, you still have an authority in you to speak life over them. You still have an authority in you to, to help, and help them to come to the knowledge of Jesus. And so Ephesians, look at what Ephesians 6, and I'm, I'm just going to read one verse out of that, love. You don't have to put the whole thing up. Sorry, it's not my love behind the computer. Sorry, Naam. <laughs> I do love you too, bro. <laughs> but I, I, I want to read, because you, you know the scripture, but the scripture speaks about the armor of God. But look at what Paul says in Ephesians 6 verse 13. He says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. This, so the simple thing of a Christian, you know, I, and I've learned this. I don't have to go out warring and I'm going to kill you, devil. <laughs> no, no. All I really have to do, if you look at that armor, there's only one thing that is offensive. And that's the sword, the word of God. Everything else is defensive. Because as you stand, you know how they won the war of attrition? Is that the one that stood and never ever gave in became the, the victor. That, that, that nation won. As you stand, and it doesn't matter what comes, the Bible says, you know, the breastplate of righteousness. Standing in the right placing with Jesus. So, enemy, you can come. You can throw your darts, right? But I'm standing in righteousness of Christ. Of Christ. As you stand, you put your shield of faith. 
and you, you just block it off. It's not like, man, I, nah, just put up your shield. You block it off as you stand. And if you continue to stand, Paul says, once you've done everything to stand, you still stand. It's the, it's the, it's the verse that says, pray without ceasing. If you just stand in your relationship with the Lord, if you just stand in your, the promises of God, if you just stand in your faith and your trust of Jesus, you will see the enemy defeated. And so mothers continue to stand, fathers continue to stand. But I found it interesting, if I close, that in, listen to the stats, male to female ratio in Christianity worldwide, men are 72%, and women are 80%. I think we can see it in church. There are more women normally attending services or prayer meetings or, you know, uh, amen. No condemnation for those. It says here, an estimated 83.4% of women around the world identify with a faith group compared to 79.9% of men. Interesting that most prisons are filled with men. Eh? I'm just throwing the stats to you, but I believe the Lord is actually, there's something in this. Women, you have a role to play. You have a role to play. And I, and I, and I call you, and I urge you to play that role. Have you ever watched the movie War Room? If you haven't, go watch it. It's powerful. Second Timothy 1 verse 5, and then I, I'm going to give one analogy and I'm going to close and pray. Paul is writing to Timothy. And Paul is known as the spiritual father of Timothy. Many um, scholars, theology have come to understand Paul to be the one that help Timothy to, to become all that he was. He, was a, he became a leader, a church leader in Ephesus. But listen to what Paul says, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. Thank you, Nahum. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lewis, and then in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Oh man, I tell you, there's so much in it. One, he just mentions the grandmother and he mentions the mother. And he says, because of their faith, Timothy, you are who you are today. You have a responsibility to walk out that faith for your children. Even when it's tough. Even when you know, man, they're not making wise decisions in life. Man, they're not, they're not, Lord, please, if they can just hear your word, if they can just follow. You know, if you, the more you just constant, consistently and constantly just stand for your children, I believe one day you will look back and uh, you'll see what the Lord has done. So I was watching rugby. <laughs> Yeah, I do watch rugby. I'm actually watching it more now, Dylan. I don't know why. <laughs> but um, the, uh, <laughs> thank you, Charlie. <laughs> so, you know, 
in rugby, there's this thing they call the mall. But um, this is a couple of weeks ago. I need some space. And I, I watched this guy. I won't tell you who it is. And he was, they were th- actually, so it was province, right? But they were throwing the ball from the line. And um, there's this guy and he, he hey? And I watched, I, I actually had to go back and watch the highlights of it just to watch this thing because how the Lord speaks through sports, man. Listen to this, bro. So he, he goes, there's the line, the ball's coming, and he goes and he turns his back to the opponents. And he pulls his team this way. And they're all coming like this. You know, now they create the mall. You know? They call it the mall, ladies. Mother's Day, this is like a Mother's Day lesson. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's, here's the thing, right? I'm watching him, and he, and he so what he's he doing, he's taking the pressure of his team, and he's got the pressure of the opponent behind him. So he's got a double whammy coming here, but he's push, pulling them and pushing back. And this team, man, they are doing everything, and these oaks are huge. I, sorry, bro, but I, I was praying for you. I was like, how is this guy doing this? But they're they pushing, and he's pulling, and they, and they went, you know. And before you know it, there's a momentum. The team that is pulling has got the momentum, so the guy at the back has got the ball. And now he's just moving with the momentum. Do you know it didn't matter how big these oaks were at the back? They eventually just went right over them. I mean, all of them, these guys were on the floor. And then they tried, and unfortunately, you were just a little bit too early. Eh? Just slightly too early. So they called it, they, they looked back and they said, nah, technical error. I don't know, technical error they call it slightly. But you know what the Lord said to me? That's what you do when you pray for your children. You pull them. You stand. You pull them. And yes, you pull them, you are pushing. And I tell you, before you know it, the momentum that is created is going to give you the victory. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. And fathers, we'll get there on the 18th, you know. <laughs> Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep, keep standing. And if I have to take some blows from my children, I'll take a few blows, man. Because, man, one day they're going to be out of the house. Eh? One day they're going to be out there. And some of you, this may not be for your children, but God has given you people that you need to stand for. And those people are on your hearts every day, and you know. And when you pray, it's not in vain. When you pray, you say, Jesus, I'm praying for this person. Let me tell you, just do that consistently. Stand and let the Lord do the rest. So I want to pray for you this morning. And I want to thank the Lord that He gives us grace, He gives us strength to stand. I don't know what you're facing in life today. I don't know what's, what's happening in your family, in your home, maybe at your workplace. But I believe this morning the Lord would say to you, stand in him. Stand in him. Put on that full armor. The victory is yours. And Jesus would say to you, cheer up. <laughs> hey, cheer up. I've got this one. I had it already 2,000 years ago. <laughs> 
Father, I want to pray, Lord God, that you, you may bless every mom in this house that consistently prays for their children and their family. And if you grow weary this morning, I want to encourage you to pick it up again. Pick it up again, whether you have a whole room, I don't know, whether you pray just in your room, wherever you spend your time standing for your children, standing for your family, standing for your friends. Father, strengthen each and every one of us to keep standing for you, Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I am ending a little early, but sorry, we're going to leave the kids still for a little bit. Is that okay? Two minutes, okay. Um, but there, there's a photo booth outside as you leave. And I, I, I want to encourage you to take a photo. And I'll tell you why. I mean, it's, it's good to take photos, you know. It builds memories. And so everybody's going to use their own phone so that you don't have to still wait for somebody to send you a photo. But there will be people helping to take the photo. But I want to do a little bit more than that, the activation today. Is take that photo but let it remind you of a commitment that you make today to stand for your family. Is that okay? So every time you see it, you know, I don't know, you print it out, you can put it on Facebook, wherever you put it, but every time you look at it, you say, Lord, remind me of the commitment to stand for you, that I'm standing for my children and for my family, or whether it's for your friends. Um, so everybody's invited to take a photo, and moms, if your family's here, please take a photo with your child, and then at the thing, there's a little gift for mothers. So we, we don't know, okay? We, we really don't know everybody whose mom was not. So please, if you are a mother, men, no. Okay? To say, <laughs> to say I'm a mother, okay? I don't care whether you identify as a mother today, okay? <laughs> but you, you have to be a mother to get the gift. Okay, so you can just say I'm a mother and they'll give you a little gift and then you can be blessed with that today. And please spend time with your family and enjoy your lunch in Jesus' name. Amen.